Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. Today's episode is a replay from an interview that I did with Alice Charnock, host of the Ask Alice Podcast, which is part of Rooted Youth Ministry. Rooted is an outstanding ministry that serves youth pastors across the world, and it was created about 10 years ago in response to some research that showed how more than half of the children who are raised in the church end up leaving the church once they go to college. What more research revealed was how many teenagers today do not understand the concept of grace or the gospel, and it is Rooted's mission to equip youth pastors and families with the resources they need to empower this next generation for a lifelong journey of faith. Alice is so fun and a dear friend of mine, and I hope that when you're having a bad day or feeling like a failure as a parent, you'll remember this podcast and even replay it again to remember the truth about God's love and His grace in your life. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome to Ask Alice, a podcast that explores the issues and challenges teenagers face on a daily basis. Hosted by Alice Chernock, a licensed professional counselor in Birmingham, Alabama. Ask Alice is part of the Rooted family of podcasts, which also includes All About Boys, Thanos to Theos, and the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast. Rooted is focused on advancing gospel-centered youth ministry. To learn more, visit us at www.rootedministry.com. Here's your host, Alice Chernock. Good morning! It's great to have you back for another episode of Ask Alice. I'm Alice Chernock, a therapist here in Birmingham, Alabama. And y'all, I am so excited about this episode. This week, I have my very, very dear friend, the amazing (laughs) Carrie Campakis here with me. For those of you who don't know, Carrie has just released another amazing book called Love Her Well, 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. Now, Carrie, I know that this is a lo- one of the many books that you have released, but I have to tell you that this is one that I am so excited about. Oh, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Well, thank you. Well, I just am so grateful for you taking the time to stop by, and I know that you are super busy, too, as a mom and... You have your own podcast, too, called Girl Mom, so y'all check that one out. And I just think that uh, I really think the world of you, and I think that you have developed such a niche of being able to speak into the hearts and lives of teenage girls, but then also of their moms, too. Um, Well, thank you. I, um, I mean, I have a world of respect for you, too, as you know. And that's really the best part of this job is I need the conversations that I'm hoping to start And so that's what I love about getting to meet people like you and have those conversations because I learn so much just from what you're learning and experiencing as a counselor of girls. And I mean, none of us have all the answers, but I think we can figure out a lot together. Right. I totally agree. And I think that that's that's something that I've always loved that you and I have been able to sort of bounce ideas back. I think we've joked before that at some point in life, maybe we're going to switch places right. and I'll write a book <laughs> right. and you start counseling teenage girls and then we'll just kind of switch back and forth. And so uh, I think that that's something that I love that, that you and I have such a, a shared kindred heart for these kind of topics and issues. So I would love to just kind of dive right in, if you don't mind, because I want our listeners to know as much about this book as possible. So I will say, when I'm brutally honest, I don't usually read, I'm not a good reader. 
All right. I'm okay. a great skimmer. Right. Uh, and so I just tell people point blank, look, I'm probably not going to read every word, but I am a great skimmer. Right. This was a book that I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Oh, my gosh, this part is so good. I just kept reading and reading and reading. And I will also say for all the listeners out there, start with the intro. Don't skip over that. I will, again, sell myself out and just say I don't ever, ever read intros to books. Read this intro because I think that you really set the stage for everything else that you're going to talk about in that intro. Can you kind of, I, I, can I just bounce that off yes. into you and let yes. you kind of dive in and tell us about that? Yes. Well, the intro, as you know, is a big mom failure on my part. And I've really never planned to write a parenting book. I mean, most parents don't feel like they're an expert. And I know I'm far from an expert. And in my head, I thought, well, maybe I'll write a parenting book in 20 years when my girls are grown up. I might have that bigger perspective of time. But I didn't feel qualified to do it now. But what I found in my own experience and just meeting moms through the girls, the books for teen girls that I've written was that, you know, moms are struggling now. And I think it's a lot harder when you're raising teenagers because when you're struggling, you can't just go talk to anybody. Right. It's not like when they're babies and they're having a bad day or they're jumping out of their crib. Or, or colic or, or colic. something that you just know. Yes. Somebody knows this. Somebody knows. You can ask three people. Somebody will be able to help you. Right. And with teenagers, you need somebody that shares your values. You um, need somebody who will protect your privacy and their privacy. It's just harder to find that. And I think there's a lot of loneliness in that season of parenting. So I wanted something that parents could read, not feel so alone, and that also helped them understand that I'm not an expert, and I wanted to establish that up front. So I start the book with this big mom fail, and it was really, I call it my breakdown moment. And it was one of those moments where I had been very prideful leading up to this and parenting my daughter. She was 13 years old. She'd always been sweet and easy. And, you know, I have four daughters, and I've always heard that narrative, you know, just wait until she's a teenager. <laughs> just wait. And, and it always kind of irritated me. Like, yeah. my girls are not going to be like that. Right. They are sweet and easy and compliant. Right. And, you know, the oldest one got to be a teenager and started to have some of the mood swings and do some of the things that I'd heard about. And so, of course, I'm thinking, oh, their predictions are coming true. You know, I've got to dig my heels in. I've got to show this daughter and her sisters who's the boss. And so I started doing that every time we had arguments. And what happened was just this gulf started to grow between us. And it was probably over the course of a few months. And every time we argued, it just got bigger and bigger. Mm. And there was one morning before school, and I can't even remember the fight. That's how dumb it was. It was something so minor. <laughs> Isn't it always like that? Yes, <laughs> it was so minor. And she just walked out the door, you know, slammed the door on the way to school. You know, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And then an hour later, in my quiet house, I started reflecting, and it just hit me. I was like, I hate how coldly I'm treating her. And I, I was like, if something happened to her today, I would have so much regret that this is how we ended, yeah. that this is how. And I didn't like, you know, sending her off to school angry. Yeah. Like, you don't want to start the well, day Well, nobody that wants to start the day yes. like that. That's just hard for everybody, but right. bad, of course. Yeah, and so I feel like God really used that day to open my eyes and to open my heart that maybe I needed a new approach. So when I started thinking about it, I just fell to my knees and I started crying in my closet. Mm. And my husband is home on Fridays. He mm. doesn't work on Fridays. So he heard me. I mean, I'm just boohooing. And sure. I, you know, once you start, I was like, I'm just letting it all right, out. Here it comes. And it was really one of those floodgate moments. Like, okay, I'm going to admit that, you know, I'm, not, I'm doing something wrong. It's not my daughter. I keep blaming her. 
she was playing a role, but my reaction was not right. And so he came in there, and he's like, what is wrong? He thought somebody had died. You know? Sure. And um, I'm like, maybe it's the death of this relationship. But I, I told him, I was like, what I'm struggling with is how to parent my daughter and how to love my daughter. Hmm. And I think that's the struggle of parents with teenagers is you still have to be the parent, but you've got to love them too. And I was like, you know, if there's ever a time I want us to be close, it's right now when yeah. she's in middle school. And you know what will happen if they don't have those close ties at home. Yeah. They will go search for them other places Absolutely. and maybe fall into peer pressure. And so I was really struggling with that. And um, and anyway, so that was just my moment. And I realized that if I wanted a better relationship with my daughter, that one, I had to take the initiative. Mm-hmm. That she would never come to me and say, Mom, I wish we were closer. Yeah. It bothers me that we're fighting. So I needed to take the initiative. I realized that she was growing up and our relationship had to grow up too. Yeah. I had to act like the parent. And then I realized that, you know, maybe I needed to, to search, you know, how to love a teenage daughter. I really needed to put more intention and thought into doing this. Mm. So I said that moment is what really created that journey of how do I love my daughter well during the teenage years. Well, and I think it's so hard, too, because there are so many different styles of parenting, you know. And mm-hmm. so I think you can read a million parenting books on earth. And I think, you know, as you and I have said before, I think that our parents came from a generation that was much more rule-oriented, for the most part, not every parent, but a a lot of us grew up in in a very rule-oriented, I am the parent, you are the child, and therefore you will obey everything I say, you know, and I think that that's kind of where you led in that crossroad moment of, I can either dig my heels in, Mm -hmm. and I can make more rules, and I can make her, I can beat her into submission, right? or I have a choice, and, and really tap into, yes, I'm going to be a parent, but I can also show empathy. Mm -hmm. I can show nurture. I can show, holy cow, grace. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, and so I think that 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 was what was such a, a powerful strike for me is to see how you were able to come up and create that balance between what the the rules that you needed to to set because I do agree with you our kids need structure mm-hmm. they need safety they need all of that thing that they know hey I'm in charge I've got you I can appreciate that predictability but they also need to know but I'm also going to listen to you and we can have a relationship too right huge and I do think that's something that's different about our generation is that a lot of us grew up with the rules, but we didn't necessarily have a close relationship with our parents while we were at home. And then this generation, as parents, we've kind of swung the other way. Yes. I think we can be very focused on building that relationship, but not setting the rules because yes. we don't want to lose the relationship. But it's hard because we're like, if we're not being the parents, who's going to be their parent? Yes, you I know, completely agree. Who cares agree. about their well-being? And for teenagers, you know, I think I've read that their, t- their brain is 80% developed. And so in the teenage brain, she talks about how we have to make up for that 20%. Right. And we have to make decisions that they might not like or might not understand sometimes, but hopefully one day they will. And so it is hard. Like, So how do we have those rules, but then also not ruin the relationship as we're making those rules? And as one of my friend's husbands once said, is that as our children grow up, parents go from less of a role of power mm. to a role of influence. Oh, wow. And that really stuck with me. Like, you know, we can make them behave, yeah. but they might secretly resent us inside. Yes. And so what we really want is we want to influence them. We want them to listen when we talk and to at least think about what we're saying, you know, even if it takes them a while to take it to heart. Absolutely. But to have that voice in their life. And as you know, working with teenagers, mm-hmm. they're smart. You know, they're, they know who likes them and who truly cares about them right so you know they they don't care what we know until they know that we care 
And so I think through the relationship, we really show them that we care. It's, it's not about me being your parent. I'm your sister in Christ. You know, I'm on this journey with you, here to help you. Well, and I think all of it is such a picture of, of our relationship with Christ, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we reflect his image and the way that he, as as our heavenly father, treats us. Right. We are called to now treat our kids. Does that mean that we're going to get it right? Absolutely not. Never. We are right. not going to get it right. And that's exactly why we can come to the cross with our mom fails mm-hmm. and say, Lord, help. I can't do this. I cannot do it alone. But because I can stand on on your power mm-hmm. and on your record, through that, you can redeem what I have completely messed up. And so it's a really cool picture that we can present now of all the times that our kids yell at us and scream at us and let's be real that we scream right back at our kids and we know that we have really just botched a situation we have a heavenly father who through his grace and redemption makes it all right Mm -hmm. he's making all things new again whether it's a relationship or the 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 world as a as a whole being redeemed he's making all things new and it's so comforting Yes. To know that as a parent, we don't have to rely on our own getting it right mm-hmm. because we're not going to get it right. Right. You know? And I think our kids can learn even more mm-hmm. from those times when we don't get it yes, right. Yes, I totally agree. And we're willing to be humble and admit that. And, you know, sometimes we think, especially when it's the same sex, that whether you're a dad raising a son or especially a mother raising a daughter, I used to think I had to be this perfect role model. Mm-hmm. And so anything that made them see me as less than perfect, I didn't want them to see that. I right. thought it would undermine my authority. But really, if I pretend like I'm perfect, they, they can see that I'm not. They right. see my flaws. So it just puts a barrier there when you try to act like you're perfect and don't take ownership for what you've done wrong. And I love what you said about, you know, really seeing those low moments about how God's power really is made perfect in weakness. Yes. And, I mean, that moment when I was on my knees crying in the the closet floor, Mm -hmm. I was writing books for teenage girls at the time. I mean, I was thinking, I don't want anybody to ever find out about this. Right. I mean, this is embarrassing. Right. But yet, what God has done in my life since then, and who would have thought five years later that would be the opening story of a book? I never would have imagined that at the time because I was at such a low point as a parent. I knew I had failed. I knew a lot of this was my fault, and I had to find a different way to approach her. But he's so good, and he's so gracious. And even that very day, once I was humbled enough to be able to admit that, Mm -hmm. I went to the gym probably an hour later, Mm -hmm. saw a friend of mine who has an older daughter. She's always just been a trusted source of wisdom in my life. I know she can protect my privacy, my kids' privacy. Which, by the way, side note, Mm -hmm. how cool of God's timing for that. You know, how cool to know that that God perfectly ordained your experience on the closet floor and an hour later for you to run into this trusted friend mentor. Yes. How cool is that? Like, we worship a God who has everything figured out. Right. And I can look back now and I'm like, he is so good. Yes. And that, you know, even though I'm up big time that morning he had a way to redeem the situation so what happened with your friend well I asked her and you know I was like okay I just gotta admit I had the biggest fight with my daughter this morning I'm getting this wrong you know what do you do when you fight with your daughter and she's like oh yes I've been there so she immediately just made me feel better like I'm not so alone in this feeling and then she said what you got to do is when you have an argument you have to circle back around and so mm-hmm. she goes, go back when you have calmed down, go back and apologize, go back and talk about it, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. Oh, wow. 
And I realized that that was probably my problem with my children was that we would get in a fight and I would never apologize. Mm -hmm. And so we just didn't have that reconciliation. And so things could keep building up. And so anyway, I decided I'm going to go apologize to my daughter. I'm going to ask if I'm doing something that is hurting her, that's making our relationship kind of tense. Mm -hmm. And it was probably it was later that afternoon and um and I expected her to say no mom you're not doing anything you <laughs> no, know mom, you're perfect you're perfect right? right and so I asked this like you know I'm, I think I started with I'm really I'm sorry I blew up at you and um it really makes me sad I really I miss that close relationship we had and she said I miss it too and so that was comforting to me wow. and so and then I asked her I was like you know have I done something that's causing this friction between us and she said yes and I was like, what? Oh, yes. <laughs> and so it turned out, she said that, she's like, I just feel like you've been more critical of me lately. Mm. And I feel like, you know, it's harder to please you. And it felt like a punch in the gut hearing that. Yeah. But again, you have to be humbled. I mean, it's like, that's why God tells us to have humility. Yeah. But I was like, I would take that punch in the gut any day to make things right with my child. And what I realized was, I was like, she's right. I was like, I have been, I've been extra critical of myself lately. Mm. And I was projecting that on her. Oh, wow. Also, she's the oldest child. And so you tend to have high expectations for them. Yes. Oh, I totally agree. It was her first year of middle school. So she was a new middle schooler. Mm. I was like, you need to step it up. We got to do this and this. And so that really gave me something to go back and reflect on. I apologized to her. And, um, And that really was what started turning our relationship around. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start asking them you know, did I do something? Yeah. What What can I learn from this situation? It's not just our children that need to learn. And um, and the, the neat thing was about a month or two later, she brought home this book from Creative Writing that their teacher had them do for their parents, and they're talking about their family and all of this. And she wrote something in that book, and I think it was like, you know, I love children, and I can't wait to be a mom. I hope that my children love me as much as I love my mom. <gasps> I know. So I was just like, she had no idea. I, like, I wanted to give that teacher, a, like, you know, $5,000. Like, thank you for this book. Oh, you have no word. idea how much I needed this. Wow. But I felt like that was God bringing that moment full circle and just telling me that just because you messed up, your relationship is not ruined. And granted, my child was 13 at the time, but I think this is true whether your child is 30 or 50, you know, wherever we are in parenting, that it's not too late to yes. go and make things right and to have those humble conversations and to practice reconciliation and just God's mercy and grace. I totally agree. Well, and I always encourage parents, uh, anytime I'm giving some kind of speaking, and, you know, a lot of times I think we as parents, uh, and as a counselor, too, I see it, a lot of times parents will come to me and say, okay, fix my child. Right. Fix them. Right. You know, kind of point a finger like, mm-hmm. there's a problem at home, fix them. Right. You know, and I really think that... You know, my dad in one of his sermons when I was a child, I, t- I will never f- forget that, but he always said, you know, when you point a finger at somebody else, there are three fingers that are pointing back at you. Oh. And I thought good. that is so powerful. If you make yes. a, a finger point with your hand, right. you may be pointing one finger at somebody else, but there are three pointing back at you. Wow. And what do we do with that? And as parents, right. I think you're absolutely right. We have to start with ourselves mm-hmm. before we can then handle anything with our daughter. Yes. And, you know, I think about the, I don't know if this is a God significance or not, but just the three, the Trinity, you know. The oh, so three true. pointing back to ourselves. Yes, that is so good. Mm-hmm. Huh. And, and something else that I've really realized in researching and studying and writing this book was about conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. And, and you might know this. Like, I would say... Working with teenage girls, I think the number one problem with this generation is they cannot resolve conflict with each other. 
And that's why, you know, they all of a sudden they write their friends off. They have very little loyalty in the relationships or they get upset. They don't know how to work through it. And so it's better and easier just for them to go make new friends. Right. And so that leads to Well, they can just leave somebody on red. Right. Exactly. You know. And there's somebody else to go. Exactly. They can turn to. And then when that person makes them mad, they go on to somebody else. And so there's a lot of insecurity and drama because nobody feels like there's any loyalty anymore. Right. They know they can be written off at any moment. And so... um, it's America's top couples therapist. It's John Gottman. Oh, uh-huh. I read an article recently that he said the number one predictor of success in marriage is how well two people can resolve conflict. Wow. And so I just started thinking, okay, if we can get this right in our mother-daughter relationship or mother-son relationship, like with, with, with our children, let's talk about this conflict. What can we both learn? How can we talk respectfully about this, come to a better place? Like, it's going to set our children up to win in their friendships, in their marriage, in their career, when yes. they have to work with other people. Yes. It's like, that's such a crucial life skill that nobody really teaches us. Right. And then I'm thinking, where, what better place to learn it than in the mother relationship, where you're not going to lose my love, you know? Exactly. You were really rude to me this morning. Right. Your friend might not put up with that. I'll right. put up with it for right now, We're gonna, but we're going to get to a better place. Absolutely. And, so, and modeling that for them. Yeah. Modeling that, that sense of, of humility and humbleness of, yes. yeah, I messed up. I need right. to ask for forgiveness from my, you know, seven-year-old. Right. And how humiliating and humbling it is to go to a, a young <laughs> child, too, you True. know, and yes. say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Right. That's really powerful. But I also love to, I'm coming back to, I think that you talked about this in your intro, or it might have been one of the earlier chapters of your book, but you talked about your core parenting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I love that you sat down and you really put on paper your core beliefs. So I would love for you to kind of talk through that for a second, because as, as I was reading yours, I thought to myself, that would be such a great exercise for all of us as as parents to sit down and really put thought into how do I want to parent my child? Mm-hmm. What are the things that I personally believe about parenting that I want to f- set as a framework for my my parenting skills? So will you kind of tap into that a little bit? Sure. You know, I wrote that also for, for myself to set the stage for the book and also for the reader because I know parenting is so personal. And I don't think there are two people on earth who agree on anything. Right. Especially in parenting. And right. And so I don't expect anybody to agree with everything I say in the book. But I felt like by saying these are my core beliefs, this is kind of where all these things that you're about to read, it's like rooted in these beliefs. Um, one, the first belief is that I just believe that parenting is hard. It's, it's never been harder than it is right now, and that we're not meant to do it alone, that we need God's help, that we, you know, we're, we're called to be strong parents and to parent from that place of strength and not defeat. Right. But then you're like, well, where do we get our strength from? And it's from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And so we've got to, like, open our heart to that grace. So just knowing that we're not meant to do this alone, even though we try to. And then another thing that I think about all the time is that we have an enemy who is so at work, and he can be very subtle. And there's nothing that he would love to undermine more than that is those family relationships, especially with our children and our teenagers. I just think there's a lot of spiritual warfare out there. Yes. He can be very clever in how he works on them. Yes. And yes. I see it just in working with teenagers. It's like, if I was the enemy, you know, you try to... Cut them off from people who really love them. Cut them off from people who could lead them well. Exactly. Who could give good advice. Kind of lead them toward people who might not be in a position to give good advice, yet that's where they're getting that advice from, their peers that are making poor choices, because that's who they trust and who they feel like loves them. 
And so just to, um, remember that the Greek word for enemy, for devil, is diabolos. Mm, and it means wow. the one who divides. Yes. And I think about it all the time, whether I'm getting nippy with my husband or my kids, just like, okay, this is a small issue I'm getting upset about. I want to get en- enraged about it, but that's the enemy working on me. You know, God wants us to work through this. He wants me to stay calm and think clearly. Right. So really just being mindful of that. Um, something else, going back to the whole humility, how mm-hmm. we really are called to parent with humility. And just to remember how every child is just one mistake away from making us look like the worst mother on earth. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And just know that you don't ever get too big for our britches. It doesn't matter right. how proud they make us or how great they're doing today you know tomorrow it could be a different story yeah and so not only having that humility for us but also having compassion for other mothers when their child messes up yes you know instead of judging and thinking well she must be a terrible parent because of the decisions her child is making that you know have that that compassion because we're all just one step away from falling off that cliff. I agree. And I think too as moms we it sometimes it's fun I hate to say that in a I don't mean that in a in a real way, but it's almost fun to find flaws in other moms, right? Because it makes us feel better, right? But right. how how harsh and how hard? I mean, to to when we hold that mirror up, mm-hmm. none of us have it together, right? None of us know what we're doing, and that's exactly why we have to come back to Christ mm-hmm. because He's the one who could do it perfectly for us, exactly. Yeah. And I will say one thing that's really helped me being in ministry and just going to different churches and different states and cities and and meeting people is that you realize that some of the people that are, have the best ministries and the best testimonies as adults, they were hellions as teenagers. Exactly, you know, right? that's, that's what gave them their testimony. Absolutely. And just knowing that, that that parent we might be judging because the child's making these decisions, God's not through with that child. Yes. And that, that poor decision might set them on a road to being you know, the best advocate for Christ that there is. That that's not the end of the story. Right. And just helping parents have that hope, too. But I just think parenting is hard enough. And, and we both know. We know great parents whose kids have made terrible choices. And right. we're good parents, and our kids have made bad choices. Right. And so right. we're all in this boat because together. Because we're human. We're, we're all human. sinners. We're all human. Yes, yes. We're all sinners. But I also love what you said. Um, you There was part of your book where you talked about how God specifically chose you yes. to be their parent. Yes. Go into that a little bit. Yes, I just think that, and that's something I've heard back from several moms recently. Like, I feel like the biggest failure, and that really helped me to to think about how God chose me specifically to raise my child. And um, He did. I mean, He knows that your experiences, your, you know, your values, everything that, you know, everything God is pointing to you, that your child needs that. And even when we mess up, He can use those mess ups in a way that helps them. And, um, but yeah, I just really believe that it's not an accident that, um, what is it? I think it's Rick Warren has this quote that there may be accidental parents, but they're not are not accidental babies. That's so good. That good. Yes. And so it's not an accident that he knew. I think that's the beginning of the purpose driven life. He's like, you know, you have brown eyes and brown hair, and that's why he picked your parents. That he knew that you needed these parents to have these features. Yes. And to have these characteristics. And so just knowing that as a parent, that even though we don't feel equipped, God needs uh, you know, he, he picked us to be their parents and so that is just really a reminder for us to just keep going back to him right like okay i know you chose me for this job i right. don't feel qualified but right help me right you know? right and yes. just really finding peace and i find peace in knowing that even though i'm not perfect god is perfect yes and even when i don't feel like a good parent he is a good parent yes and i can lean on that absolutely i totally agree with you i love how you you really highlighted that in your book too mm-hmm.
One of the other things that I wanted to to touch on is how you talked about being present with your child, being present with your child. And I think that a lot of times, I know that I am very guilty of not always being present with my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even when I, I'll pick them up from school, we'll be home and we have homework going and I'm trying to cook dinner and stuff like that. But I feel like I know a lot of times I am, I'm on my phone too much you know, and it's easy for me. Yeah. But it's easy because I feel like my world is on my phone, whether Mm -hmm. it's my baseball schedule or an email with a teacher or whatever it is. But I think having that distraction, it stops me from being present with my kids. And I really like that you highlighted that. Will you go into your thoughts on, on being present? Yes, I would love to. And I feel like 2020, with all the terrible things that have happened, <laughs> right? I feel like it's been one big lesson in being present. Amen. I mean, have you? Amen. We have to be because you. We don't know the future. You know, we we don't know it. So you really today is all we have, yes. and that's all we really have control over. And I, I I've read this one time that we tend to be either futuristic or kind of stuck in the past. I feel like I'm more of a futuristic person. Mm-hmm. I'm a good planner. Me too. And yeah. it, it can serve us very well as moms. And it really did serve me well until this year because, you know, I'm constantly looking ahead. Oh, we need to, I need to make plans for the spring break trip or I need to make plans for this. Right. And this year has just shut all that down. You're so right. And it, at first I was just unsettled and unnerved. And I was like, this is so weird. But then it's almost a relief. Like, okay, I don't have to plan ahead. God's got it all taken care of. Yeah. You know, I can just enjoy my children, which yeah. is what he wants me to do anyway. Yeah. But um, probably one of the most life-changing things I read on that subject was, I think it was in the book, The Screwtape Letters, uh-huh. where C.S. Lewis is, um, he's writing from the perspective of the devil, but he's talking about what God, God wants us to focus on eternity and the present, because God is found in the present. And so that's why the enemy wants to come in. He wants us to fixate on the past Absolutely. or on the future. Yes, yes. And it could be we're fixating on the past, like we gosh, oh, I wish I could go back, mm-hmm. you know, or I regret this, and we're kind of stuck in that place of regret. Or he wants us to fixate on the future. Either we're worrying about the future, we're anxious about the future, like a lot of us feel now, or we're fantasizing about the future. You know, if I if this happens in my career, then I can buy this house right. or go on this vacation, and we're stuck in the future. And it's really when we're stuck in the past or the future, we're not experiencing God's presence today and seeing his grace today. My mom, when I was growing up, my mom had a magnet on her on our refrigerator. And it said, it was just a reminder that says, I am the great I am. Not the great I was and not the great I will be, but I, Jesus, am the great I am. Speaking of that present that. moment, he is in the present yes. with us. And absolutely, when we when we put ourselves into the future, we start to fear and we have anxiety. That's where it lives. But when we also put ourselves in the past, we experience guilt and regret. And we're not called to either one of those because Christ is the present. He is the I am. I and I think that. as parents, a lot of times we forget that we are called to be in that present moment with our kids. Mm-hmm. I talk to, to parents about riding the waves, and sometimes the waves are really, really high, and it's high tide, and we can have a grand old time. And then sometimes we have to ride that low wave where it's, it's low tide, and it's tough. Mm-hmm. But we have to be willing to ride those waves and stay in that present moment as, but, as much as we could possibly do mm-hmm. in order to not miss what's going on with our kids in this moment. Yes, I love that. And I love how you're talking about, even if we're on that low side, we have to 
lean into that yes. and lean into those feelings. And I have felt like that has really grown my faith this year. Like just those low moments and those, I'm like, nobody understands me. Yes. And I'll just, I'll just go sit with God. I'm like, God, thank you that you know my heart. You know my worries. Yes. I'm just going to give this all to you to untangle for me. And I'm just going to sit here in peace knowing that you understand me, that you're with me right now, even though this is not the situation I want to be in. And just knowing that our, our family can't fill that role for us. Yes. You know, our, our most loved ones can't fill that role, but he can, you know, so not only being present with them, but also present with him yes. to experience that grace. Absolutely. I love it. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. Well, I, I know that our, our time is about up. And so I, I wanted to touch before we go, what, what are your thoughts on, I love the title of your book. It's Love Her Well. Mm-hmm. What are the thoughts on when we don't love her well? What then? Right. I think what we talked about, just doing that, starting with that self-reflection. I know in AA and addiction recovery, mm-hmm. they have something that's called doing a fearless self-inventory. Hmm. I want to say it's maybe the second or third step. Okay. But you're just, you're fearless self-inventory. Like, what have I done wrong? You know, what do I need to go ask forgiveness for? And I think with, as parents, we first have to just identify, okay, I can't control my children, but I can sweep my side of the street and do my part. Hmm. And just really, you know, acknowledge, okay, I need to apologize for this. Yeah. Um, and also just be the pursuer and think about how, you know, in God's love for us, we love because he loved us first. And even when we're not thinking about him, even when we yeah. get distracted from him, he's always pursuing us. Right. And honestly, as far as the title of the book, I initially titled it Pursuing the Heart of Your Teenage Daughter. Hmm. And I knew that Christians would get that because we know that that's how God pursues us. We're called to pursue them. Right to whether they're reciprocating or not and I didn't we a friend and I talked about it because I, we thought that maybe people might take it the wrong way that it's basically chasing our child trying to make them love us ah. and it's really not about that it's really about reflecting God's love and just showing love to them regardless of whether they're loving us back but knowing that if we keep doing it if we're consistent then chances are God can bring about a change of heart in them that makes them respond to our efforts and so I just really want to encourage anybody that whether your child is 3 or 10 or 21 or 50, like I said, it is never too late to go make things right, to try to love them well. And I think there's so much respect. I have so much respect for people who can admit, oh, man, I messed up. And they can go ask for forgiveness. And it might have been something that happened 30 years ago. But um, especially in the parent-child relationship, just knowing that it is our job to love them. Yeah. And I lost my mom this past February. And it's it's interesting after you lose your parent, you know they love you, but it's like you realize their love in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's like you have these epiphanies. And I, I just started thinking like, wow, even when I was a moody teenager or even when I was not loving her back, she just kept loving us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what makes me miss her so much. I'm like, she never gave up on me, wow. even when I was not responding. Wow. And, just, and that's what's so hard when you lose your parents that are good parents like that yeah. because nobody else in this world right. loves you like that. Right. Nobody's going to stand Be by your you cheerleader. no matter what and just really cares about your life and all those little details of your life or your children's life like your parents do. Yeah. And so I just think really just, you know, knowing that we, we always have that opportunity. I heard a story recently of an 80-year-old man who basically turned a new leaf after his wife died wow. and realized the importance of family. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. And I just, I, it just really touched me. And, mm-hmm. and he, you know, I saw his um, daughter-in-law about a year ago, and I was asking about him, and she was like, he is amazing. He comes to Birmingham all the time. Wow. Yes, he, go, he does not miss an event. We just got back from spring break. He's coming up tomorrow so the kids can tell him all about spring break. Wow. And he, he went, took him out to dinner on the one-year anniversary of his wife's passing away. Mm-hmm. 
And he said, you know, I've just realized the importance of family during this year. And he kind of tears up and just encouraged his sons to always tell your, your daughters and your children that you love them. But I just thought it was so neat that he was at an age where he could have just been bitter. Yes. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't have the relationships with his family that he right. wanted. Right. And he could have just, just thought it was over. Right. But yet, he was 80 years old. He's like, I'm not going to let this continue as long right. as I'm still alive. And that's just such a lesson that God's grace can happen at any Absolutely. point in time. I, I think one of my favorite quotes, and I'll end with this, one of my favorite quotes from your book is, God's grace is bigger than any defeat. God's grace is bigger than any defeat. And how well said and well spoken that is, that is so true. God's grace is bigger than any of our defeats. No, we're not going to get it right. No, there are going to be days we don't love her well. Right. But God's grace <laughs> is bigger than any defeat. And y'all, I just absolutely love this book. And I really, truly hope that you will will go out and, and get a copy of it. Um, Carrie, you just, you chalk it full of very practical tips Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next book comes because I guarantee you it's going to be fantastic. And I hope that you'll come back and join me again next time when that comes out, too. Definitely. And you'll have to help me figure out what that next book will be because it's still up (laughs) in the air. Deal. Deal. Maybe we'll do it together, huh? That's right. Awesome. All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Ask Alice. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Alice with Alice Chernock. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music on this podcast. This podcast is made available to you by the Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the author and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.